Welcome to the Toffee Blues View podcast. I'm joined by Cal Brannan, and today we'll be discussing one of England uh, football's newest free agents and the possibility of him joining the Blues, a rundown of the transfer windows, ins and outs, uh, discussion about Marcel Brands, his position at the club uh, after a summer of, well, lack of signings. And today we've got uh, a little bit of a different one. We'll be discussing the potential of Serge Aurier. Obviously on deadline day, he asked if he could leave Tottenham uh, after they got a new right back. Uh, It was looking like he might go to Dubai, but apparently he said that he does aim to stay in England. I think Arsenal is one of the clubs he's heavily linked with. Uh, Cal, your thoughts on Serge Aurier? Would you take him at Everton? I mean, we'd take anything at this point, wouldn't we? He wouldn't be a number one choice, but it's like we were saying the other day. I don't think it's a bad signing. I don't think it's for, on a free as well. We're not paying any money. We're bringing him in as a possible short-term option for maybe the season, give him a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, problem is he's a bit shaky defensively. He's got a big mistake in him, similar to Michael Keane. So I don't think you could play them two together. But I also think, you know, it's a lot better than John Joe Kenny. And then if Seamus Coleman does go down with an injury or he's just too tired to play, we have a decent option because I do think he would be the backup. I don't think he'd start over Coleman. So I think it is some good business on a free, especially if we can get him on decent wages on a prove yourself, like a one-year prove yourself deal. I think it's good business. And I think we probably are the front runners. I can't see him leaving for Arsenal because it's just, he had, you know, a surprise, to say he was so aeroprone, from what I've seen, he had a surprisingly decent relationship with Spurs fans. So I don't know if he'd be, just be willing to throw that all under the bus to join Arsenal. Because then the Maitland-Niles stuff as well. They promised him first-team football and then signed another right-back. So I think we might be up there. Because I think if we throw a contract offer in, we'd probably be the biggest club in for him in England. So I think it's something Everton need to get on quickly, especially if we don't have to offer him too much money to sign. Yeah, I think I think for a lot of, I mean, for me, it depends a lot on the money and the length of his contract. I would like us to, ideally, if we could, I'd love us to do a Joshua King where we literally just offer him a year, see what it's like with an extension possible and then see what we're like in a year. If we still think we're going to struggle to get a ride back, fine. But if we're going to, you know, burst the bank for Max Aaron's, then there's no point really having Serge Aurier on a, you know, on a really big wage just hanging about. Um what ideally do you think the contract length should be for him? Do you think a year or do you think possibly two like we've offered Solomon Rondon? I'd say one with an offer of an extension because you could even offer him a two-year extension. You could go, listen, you have a good season. We'll, we could go, we'll give you these cheap wages now. They're not what you what you want, but you have a good season. We can give you a two-year extension with a possibility of a wage boost in there. It doesn't have to be a big wage boost, but you know, I think... He doesn't mind being a backup or in a sense where he knows he'll be rotated in. Because for all we know, if we get um, if we get Aurier 
and then we say we're going to sign Max Aaron's, Coleman might be like, right, I can finally actually retire now. I can finally sit down. Or maybe he might go back to Ireland or something. He might. But yeah, I think uh, we should make sure to keep the contract low. That's what I was trying to get out. Uh, something similar to Rondon or not too big wages. Like I said previously, approve yourself deal. So I think, yeah, I don't think we would offer a lot. I could maybe see him going to a club in England that are just desperate for a right-back, like a lower side, who just go, hey, you go, here's your wages that you want. But no, I think we'll offer him quite cheap wages with an extension similar to James to, and to Rondon. Yeah, well, you mentioned, obviously, the, the Arsenal links that he, he, he was liked by Spurs fans. And I must admit, I watched the All or Nothing um, documentary on Spurs. And he came, he was one of the few, like, well, not few, that sounds like they're all horrible, but he was one of the players that stood out that came across very well for me. He was talking about his community. He likes to do community work uh, with Tottenham. Uh, and then he just feels like he should give back because he's in a position of basically luxury. He's in a very, you know, luxurious position and a very fortunate position. And um, so he seems to be a, a very nice uh, guy. And from what I can gather from Tottenham fans, bar obviously, like you said, the odd mistake that he is uh, susceptible to and the fact that defensively, I don't think he's very aware. And um, he did get a lot of games in for Tottenham. He played 19 last season, scored two, assisted three, um, came out with an average rating of like 7.6. Um, and then the season before that, played 33 games. He had a, you know, he, he really was um, in that Tottenham squad all year. Does it surprise you that? Given all of this, he's going to be leaving on a well. He's left on a free. Um, on a free, yeah, definitely surprises me. I think um, I think he's a lot better than a free. I think it's you know, is it Spurs thinking that they're a lot better than what they have? You know, something that they've been accused of a lot over the past few years. And yeah, bringing in Emerson Royale and but I do think he's better than Doherty, personally. I think he's better, but I think also Nuno knows he can get the best out of Doherty. And I think Aurier might have been the backup, but then he might have went over and went, could we put up my contract? I want to leave. And, you know, Nuno just said, well, if he doesn't want to be here, what's the point keeping him? So I do think it's quite strange to have let him go on a free. Like you said, two goals and three assists in basically 20 games. That's, you know, he's contributing well enough. You know, even if I his defensive numbers are at the end of the world in his um, if I take his season where he actually played one, three tackles, one and a half interceptions, he's involved a lot. I think he's just, from the errors he's involved in, they put a shadow over him, like a clouded shadow that he's this terrible defender who can't do much. And I think he is a solid thing. And I honestly do think under Rafa, we could really get a solid season out of him because, you know, a right back who can give you two goals and three assists in half a season, what's that? If we just go off common sense and double that, five goals, six, about five goals, five assists from a fullback. You wouldn't complain about that at all. I do, and having him alongside Dinier, and I think he also offers a lot of athleticism, so he does have that real recovery speed, for example, that Dinier lacks to get back, and that is probably where he ends up making the mistakes, just dragging someone to the floor. But I do think it'd be a really good sign, and I think it's something Everton do need a pounce on. And because it's one of these examples of us maybe being able to sign a player whose reputation's low because of, you know, a few incidents and then really turning him around and maybe even if we sign Aaron, being able to make a big profit on him, for example. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you've got a point now when you mentioned about his defensive mistakes being remembered more. I think that's just the curse of being a defender. For whatever you think you do right, you're always remembered for your mistakes, especially if they lead to goals. And I think that's the curse of Harry Maguire fell for it quite a bit last season. He was no more for the mistakes than the actual things he did right. Because if you were going to talk about everything he did right, you'd be there forever um, sort of attitude. I, I have to play devil's advocate slightly. Asking for his contract to be torn up on the final day, the deadline, last hour, if I remember rightly, some might see that as a bad personality to have at the club. But then on the counter side, he did it because he wanted first team football. Where, where do you lie on this sort of, because I know there'll be some saying no, because he's got an attitude problem because his contract tear up. But I know there'll be some saying he did it for first team football. If he's going to be the first string right back, my argument back to that would be why is it a attitude problem? They've sat, it's like we weren't, for example, if there are blue saying that, are they the same blues that were cheering on Maitland Niles for going against Arsenal? when it's the exact same situation in the end. It, you know, I think it's... Um, I don't think he's necessarily doing anything bad because in the end, what he's doing is saying, could we rip up my contract on mutual money so you don't have to pay me nearly as much compensation as you would have had to if you released me. They've come to a mutual deal. He hasn't cost Spurs nearly a, any money. He realises he's been replaced and said, instead of, you know, sitting here and in the end, you know... W- wasting Spurs' wage budget by being sat on the bench because I don't think he was on a decent wage because he was pretty good for PSG before he moved to Spurs. You know, he went, I want to play football in the end. It's uh, it's commendable. He's not just sitting there collecting the money that in the end he deserves. He earned that contract, whether people like it or not. And he said, no, I want to play football. I don't think it's an attitude problem at all. In my opinion, it's actually something that's commendable because he's putting football before his financial situation so, you know, that's someone who wants to play football. And that means if we do sign him, we're going to get 100% out of him all the time, in my opinion. I agree. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a very positive attitude. It's somebody who wants to play, like Maitland-Niles. It's somebody who really wants to play football and doesn't want to just sit there and earn, you know, an easy easy money, basically. Um, you mentioned the high wages. How much do you think Benitez brands could convince him to take a wage drop? Uh, well, if I go here and I go Serge Aurier, Tottenham wage, he was earning, oh, why is it giving me in years? Um, three, that's a million, isn't it? Pounds. Uh, div- what am I doing? Sorry, divided by 50. Right, so it's about... 70 grand a week, give or take. And um, I think we could convince him down to 40, 50. And in the end, on a one-year deal, it's because people are like, oh, no, we're giving wages away again. If, For example, even if we paid Aurier the 70K for one year, it's not the end of the world because it's a one-year deal. And then that contract is gone. It's not in our wage books at the end of next season. I think... That's a big thing not many people pay attention to. But yeah, I don't, I can't imagine 70 grand's exactly right, give or take. There'll be bonuses and stuff included. But I think we could convince him to take 50, maybe 60. But in the end, I think in this landscape of football, that's not a bad wage to be getting someone on, especially if he's going to be probably starting 20 to 25 games for us. Let's be fair, looking at our supposed, supposed wages, um, 
he wouldn't be our he wouldn't be our highest earner by a good mile. There's a couple of players above him who are, you could argue even more don't deserve the wages. Fabian Delph is supposedly a higher earner, uh, along with Andre Gomez, and many fans would argue they don't deserve the wages they're sitting on. And just finally, before we um, leave on it, Cal, I'm just going to read out a post uh, poll that the Toffee Blues did on their Twitter. Uh, you can follow the Toffee Blues in the link down below. Uh, it was, would you take Serge Aurier at Everton? 73% uh, said no, yes. 26.8% uh, said no. It was 377 votes. There's still 23 hours as well left on that if you want to go and vote on it. Um, just your final verdict on it. Serge Aurier to Everton, yes or no? Uh, yeah. I don't think it really brings any negative light to us. It offers us more cover at right back. And if anyone says John Joe Kenny better than Serge Aurier... No offence to the lad, but they're out of their mind. So I think it's in the end, it's only a good signing as long as we don't do an Everton offer him stupid wages. But I don't think he can ask for around 70k a week if he's just had to have his contract ripped up. I think he has to take lower wages and then prove himself. So I think it's I think it's very low risk, high reward by Everton if they do make the signing. Uh, and we'll just be going through the transfer window, doing a roundup, talking about a couple of the ins, a couple of the outs, and just discussing what we liked, what we didn't like about the window. Um, so, Cal, what would you rather start with, mate, the ins or the outs? Um, I think the outs have been a bit more impactful for the summer, let's say. I think we start with the outs and then, because I think from the ins that we do have, it will actually let us end on a positive, so... I think we can end problem. on a positive and get the outs out of the way. Uh, not a problem. Uh, well, there's, there's for all of the outs, um, there are a couple that left on freeze: Pennington, Walt, Fear Walcott, Bowler, Josh Bowler, Callum Connolly, uh, Joshua King, Yannick Balassi, and Mohamed Bezic was uh, released. Um, we won't go through all of them because some of them it's very hard to talk about because they hardly made any appearances. I'm thinking in terms of Callum Connolly. Uh, but Theo Walcott, Joshua King and Yannick Balassi are big wages. Uh, and to an extent, Bezic was at the club for a long time. Uh, but those three in particular have been at the club on quite big wages. Uh, how beneficial do you think it is that we've finally seen them go out the door? Yeah, massively, because it frees up a big bit of our wage budget. And, you know, it's um, something that clearly the club's been wanting to do. And I think... It's not all out of the way yet, as proven from the stuff of FFP, but I think getting rid of all these wages with another player we'll move on to later, um, I think it's a massive, you know, it's a massive, not a hit, a massive, I think, improvement, let's just say, for the club. It's put them in a better position. For next season, when we're actually allowed to spend our money, we'll have a lot of wages freed up, and that obviously doesn't even include current players leaving too. But I think, uh, I think it's... It's a mixed bag when you look at the players, really. Theo Walcott was good in bursts. I don't think he was bad as the, as bad as the fans made out sometimes. I think he was he did his job, but I think just the money we paid him was a bit stupid. You know, I think back to the Man United game where we won 4-0. He was really good in that. I think, you know, there's a few games where I can't pick them off. The United one, top of my head, because it's probably best football performance I've seen from Everton, arguably this decade. The past, so, you know... But I do think it's um I don't I think it's a good thing. I think his performances with Southampton helped too, because he played decently for Southampton, which meant they were happy to just pick him up straight away, made the process easy for us. I think the one that hurts the most is Balassi. 
because we all expected something from Balassi, didn't we? You know, if, if we when did we sign him? Four or five years ago, five or six. Yeah, it was during the Steve Walsh year, as is a couple of these, to be fair. Yeah, thirty million. I think even at the time we thought it was overpriced, but at Palace, you know, him Zaha, and was it still Benteke then? I think. Uh, yeah, and Dwight Gale as well. Dwight Gale, you know, they were a decent attack for a Premier League side with lower mid table. I think we fell for the hype, the highlight reels, and Yannick Bellassi. I always call him a FIFA player. He's one of those players that got a lot of hype because of how good he was on FIFA and stuff like that. He's just one of those. But um, yeah, I think it's the money and what fans expected coming in. It was a big blow. He never really performed. I, to be honest with you, you might be able to think of one, but I can't really think of many standout Yannick Bellassi promises. One thing I can say, though, is he was a really good um, person to have in the club. His interactions on social media, he always seemed to be willing to give a helping hand in the community and stuff. So, you know, we w- I do wish the best for Bellassi, but I do think we also expected a lot more from the transfer. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't remember off the top of my head a distinct uh, moment. I think he looked good in bursts. Uh, I do remember uh, watching them once. I think it was in a European game. And, and I was watching the half-time bit, you know, and they come on and just mess about. And it was Balassi and another player just kicking it along the pitch at Goodison. Uh, and he was taking the ball on his, you know, on the lower back, controlling it that way. Um, and that was that was probably the one distinct memory I have of him. Um, uh, just because um, it was, you know, it was a bit of fun. He was keeping the crowd entertained, um, but it was during the halftime bit. So that's the only bit which doesn't really put his Everton career in a very high light from me. Um, but no, I mean, a lot of these ended on a free, which unfortunately means we took a massive loss in terms of um, transfer fee. Not so much some of the younger lads because they were academy, a couple of them, uh, but, you know, Balassi, Josh King was a clever one. I don't think we lost anything there. Balassi, like you said, we've lost a lot of money. Um, Bezic, we've lost a little bit of money. Um, but you'd hope this is the sort of change because, like I like I pointed out, a couple of those are Steve Walsh-esque signings. Um, so you'd hope now, with moving forward, um, that's the one thing I will say about brands. No one's, not many people have left yet that, you know, so you can compare them. Um, and the ones that do like like Bernard, he's he's gone now, and his wages pretty much sorted out. So I think it, I think that's what also holds brands yet is the prices he gets for players coming out, uh, which we will get onto now. Um, but we'll talk about the man I've just mentioned, um, the Brazilian. I was really excited when we signed him. Um, it's a shame it didn't go how I wanted. Um, Bernard, nine hundred k to um, Sharahar FC. Uh, do you think this was a good bit of business by the club? Yeah, because we're not paying any of his wages, I don't think. We've managed to get rid of every single penny of his wages. It's like the Schneiderlin thing. It, yeah, we lost a lot. Well, I don't know. We signed Bernard on a free. So we just probably lost the wages we paid him, which obviously was a lot, and the signing on bonus, which... But I think Bernard's a bit of a... What if case? I think Bernard was a good player. I think Bernard still is a good player. I'm very surprised he went to the, you know, the UAE. I think he's probably could still offer a European team something. I really do. I think he showed it, for example, against Tottenham. He was fantastic against Tottenham when he played in the cup. His finish was, you know, it was striker-esque for the goal. Uh, but I just, I think it's a good bit of business from Brands because in the end, it that 900,000 was half of what we paid for Damari Gray, over half of what we paid for Damari Gray. And if you take the wages out, we probably were able to sign 
I think Bernard probably pays Gray's, Townsend and Begovic's wages, just getting rid of his wages. Probably pays all three of them with some space left. So I think it's some a good move. And I don't think I think a lot of Everton fans probably sit back and go, Well, I wish we could have got more for him. Because at first I think there were rumors of um, a few European teams paying like eight million for him. But the big problem was they wanted us to still pay some of his wages. So I think it's good business from brands to get rid of all of his wages, kind of like, you know. It's like the Balasti thing, the Schneiderlin thing previously, the Walcott thing. We're getting rid of decently chunky wages, for maybe for low prices, but we're not having to pay any of the wages following on, which is, I think, one thing Brands does very well. He gets rid of the players with no extra baggage left in the club. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit gutted that he, uh, it never turned out quite the way it was for Bernard because uh, I really do like him. I thought the only the only like one real negative that I think he was very much uh, due was sometimes I wish he'd take shots a little bit more. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but sometimes I, I thought he always, I don't want to say lacked that final pulling of the trigger, but um, sometimes I was just furiated watching him. Um, but he, he has one of the better, better first touches I've ever seen. Um, and just the skill he had to take it away from players. Um, I really did like him, so I was a bit gutted when he left. Uh, but I mean, like you said, we've got we've got a bit of money, we've got a wages off. It was a free transfer, so we've not lost anything. You know, it's not quite the Anit Balassi state where we've lost thirty odd million. And um, moving down the list, though, we've got um, well, well, yeah, we'll do both of these in the same light, uh, just because they're both two young lads that showed a lot of potential, and I was quite surprised that they went. Dennis um, Adnaran and Benny Beningami. Uh, Adaran's gone to Sheffield Wednesday on an undisclosed fee and Benny Beningami on to Hearts on an undisclosed fee. Were you shocked to see these two lads go? Um, not Adaran. I don't think he played enough. I think, you know, he was... He's he's the Nigerian midfielder, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think him, he was... He was one of those players where he gets, oh, he has a lot of potential, but you don't see much in the first team. And I think as an Everton fan, we'll both know we... I try now not to hype the players until I see them in the first team. I try not to because I just know that the direct path to the first team for some reason is really muddled for a club with an academy as decent as ours. Because in the end, you know, for example, Adarin being a decent Premier League player would have been good enough for us because he could have come off the bench. But the one that really hurts to personally is Banningame. He's still 22. I still think he's got... I think he will be a starting defensive midfielder in the Premier League in a few years' time. He's gone over to Hearts, and I believe in his first game he won Man of the Match, didn't he? Yeah, he was really good. Um, even I know it's a bit of a crap example. I went to watch the Everton under-23s against uh, Bradford Park Avenue, a local team to me, and he came on and really impressed. I think even when he played, I think he played a few times for the first team. Yeah, he was pretty he, deep. Uh, it, was a, it was the Chelsea game um, that I'll always remember. He, um, he slid, put a f- proper 50-50 tackle in, and then um, nutmegged, I can't remember, I think it might have been um, uh, up, uh, um, Aspilicueta. But um, that was the standout moment for me, watching him do that. I thought he was a really impressive uh, player. Not afraid of a tackle either, which to Everton fans, that will get you, that will get you over with Everton fans so much. Yeah, it definitely will. And I think, um, I don't think we've lost much now because we're, you know, very stacked in midfield and I don't think he would have got into the first team. I don't think there was an open path for him. 
So I think this is better for his career. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on his career in the future when he ends up becoming a world-class midfielder and biting us in the backside. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a difficult situation because I think it was the right thing to do. He was 22. He was still stuck playing under football. You know, and we sent him out on loan a few times and I don't think he was ever really, ever really able to find his feet at any of the loan clubs because it was a loan. I think Hearts, I think he's going to have a fantastic season in the Scottish Premiership. To be honest, I think he'll only be at Hearts for one year. I think I could easily see, I could see him putting in a, a fantastic season and moving to Rangers or Celtic or to the Championship next season. I really do. I rate him really highly. And as, as I've said, I can happily put hand on heart and guarantee that four to five years time he'll be consistently starting in the Premier League for another team. Um, I'm not saying that's going to be a big six side. It might be like a Watford, uh, a Brentford if they're still up, and Norwich. But in the end, I do think he's got that talent. I think he's good enough. He's got the heart. He's got the passion. And I do think he's got a decent bit of technical ability in him. So I think personally, that's up besides obviously Moyes Keane. I think he's our biggest loss. But I also just think it's because we've got nowhere to fit the ball ladder. And I do think this is a good move for his career. And I will be keeping an eye on him in the future. Yeah, I mean, I hope him all the best. Uh, like I said, really, really liked him. Um, we move on to a couple of the... Um, we'll do... Uh, i tell you what, we'll do one more player who went on an undisclosed, um, which we reckon we're going to get 5 million compensation. Then we'll rattle through a couple of the loans and end on the, the loan money outing. Uh, Thierry Small, undisclosed, Southampton. Uh, I think the rumour is we'll get 5 million compensation for this one. Um, talk me through your thoughts on Thierry Small. Obviously, the I know you said you didn't want to judge players till they played for the first team. This lad had a real buzz about him. Yeah, he did. Um, I was excited, but as I said, I don't like to like be off my seat. Or the, this is going to be our best player since Wayne Rooney, sort of thing, because you know it never ends well. Like ever since then, who has it ended well for? Look where Barkley is now. I love Davis, but look where Davis is now. You know, it's, I don't, when I see, and I think, you know, when he played for the first team against Sheffield Wednesday, even in the short amount of time he played well, but, you know, even, I don't even think he was the best youth player to play for us that game. I think Onyango was better, I think, you know, but I do think he's going to play for Southampton. I think he will get Premier League games this season. Um, and you know what? I uh, I don't know about the attitude problem, a lot of people say, because in the end, I don't think he ever expected that he'd be the second left-back this season. And I think for him, it was, what can you offer me? And yeah, listen, he was never going to start over Dean, yeah. And I think deep down, he knew that. But in the end, he was the lad's banking on himself. And I can't give him crap for that. Because we, in the end, it's not like he, you know, ripped up a contract with us. He was on, a, what is it, would you say it's like a scholarship thing? He was on a youth contract, wasn't he? A youth contract. He was, even while playing for us, he was offered deals from United, all these other clubs, which there was rumoured they still offered to him and he chose Southampton. And I think we know why he chose Southampton because he's going to get playing time. Look at Livermento from Chelsea. Southampton, I do think, have got too young. I believe Livermento's English too. He might be somewhere else, but I think he's still technically classed as English right now. I think, you know, within two years' time, I think they'll both be the starting fullbacks for Southampton. Um, I think Small could even... Because who's the left-back now? Who's, uh, it's not Bertrand anymore. No, it's an, I can't... The name's evaded me, but it's another young lad. Um, it's uh, another young lad at the back for Southampton. 
Southampton left back. Um, um, it's not Walker Peters. That's the right back. Um, I don't know. I'm going to keep scrolling while I'm talking to try and figure it out. But yeah, I think he is it Parade. Yeah, it is. That's it. It's Parade. But yeah, for example, that I don't think he's going. To, I think Small's got a. I think with Southampton, one thing they offer that we don't is a clear path to the first team. I think he knows he's going to play first team football. And I mean, here he is. He's already registered as a member of the first team for Southampton, number 16. You know, was he going to, would he have been that for us this season? Yeah. Did the lad know that? No. And I think by the time he knew that, he'd already signed for Southampton. I think, don't get me wrong, he might look at it now and go, oh, I would actually play for Everton this season. I might wish I went back. But I wish him the best. I think people over exaggerated it a little bit because, you know, if I were in his position and I were getting offered contracts by Man United and stuff, I think I'd, even I'd have my head turned too. But I wish him all the best. I think he's going to have a fantastic career. And I think five million compensation, you know, in the end, we it might look a bad deal in the future. But five million for someone who's still on a youth contract, that's five million that helps us out massively. And, you know, maybe we could have tried to get a buyback clause from Southampton, but at the same time, it's a youth contract. There's not much we can do. So I think in the end, it's just something we've got to live and learn with with these young players that I think Small realised with our academy, there's no clear path to the first team anymore. There's not. And I think Small realised that and he trusts himself to bank on his career and I don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, I really like him. I think, uh, well, I like the I like the look of him, like the hype of him. Um, and I think Southampton's a really good move. I can see why people were annoyed. I think it's more we're annoyed because he's gone uh, and he could be, you know, he could be the next big thing and we've let him slip through our fingers. But I don't blame him for going. Like you said, he wanted first-team football. I think he'll get it. Southampton, I saw a couple of people say, why has he gone there? You know, because like you said, he was linked with United. I think everyone thought he was going to go to, a, you know, United. And, and then people were like, why has he gone there? Look at him, hasn't he made a mistake? But I, I don't think he has. I think United um, wouldn't have played him. I think Southampton, just because of how little money they have, um, lack of depth, and also because they're notorious for, you know, giving their youth a chance. I think he'll get games. Um, he'll I definitely think, play yeah. in the Cups. Like the Cups yeah. and stuff. Like, I bet he played the other day. Like, I bet if, while you talk, if I Google, they just beat um, someone 9-0 in the Cup. Um, oh, 8-0, sorry, Newport. If I check the lineups here, I don't know if he was signed by them, but he didn't play. But was I don't think he was on. The, I don't know if he'd signed by them, but I think he will in the cups. Then through to the next round of the EFL Cup, if someone gets injured, he'll probably play. They might play a Walker Peters left back and then someone right back ahead of him. But there's a very clear path. He knows what he's been getting. He's probably been promised it by Southampton, and you know Southampton will develop him as a new prospect. So in the end, it's not him being having a bad attitude it's the mistakes we've made in the past with youth players catching up to us and we've let you know a real talent slip through our fingers because of it yeah i i think we potentially um could have you know we could be looking at this in a couple of years really kicking ourselves and um, we'll go through a couple of the loans there's there's quite a lot of them um lewis gibson to sheffield wednesday nathan broadhead to sunderland and uh, those two I'm going to bundle in together because they're young lads that we haven't seen an awful lot of. Uh, I know we saw a bit more abroad had this pre-season. Um, but they're young lads that really, I think, are getting to the age where they should be pushing the first team. Um, 
and now they're going out on loan to teams. I think they'll get first team football at, but um, realistically, they're getting to ages now where you should hope that they're coming into their own. Yeah, it's um, it's really difficult. Lewis Gibson's the one I like quite a lot. Um, played 13 times for Reading, seven of those being starts last season. Yeah, I think personally, I did think the championship might have been a bit of a step up for him. I think he needs a full season in League One first. And uh, Gibson is at Sheffield Wednesday, isn't he? Correct? Yeah, and um, Broadhead's at Sunderland. Or... No, Burton was last season, I think. Sunderland. Yeah, he's at Sunderland um, this year. Yeah, I think it's good moves for both of them. Sheffield Wednesday, Darren Moore's a fantastic coach. Don't know if he'll play every game. I don't know if he will even start. Because I think Sheffield Wednesday have still got some decent, like of their championship squad, they've still got both centre-backs, I think. Don't think they lost any of them. Like, if I just get their loss against Moore come up, you know, um, Gibson not even on the bench. But I think this is the problem. We've uh, they've still got Ayoffa and Palmer. We need to be saying to these clubs, he needs to be playing every game, even if that means it's a lower down. Because I think we look at Sheffield Wednesday and go, well, they're going to get promoted. Like, for example, oh, it's because um, Dennis, um, I can't say, I forgot how to say his name now. Dennis had Deneran, I think. Yeah. He plays. I mean, he scored an own goal, but he plays. So I think it's just us looking, oh, they they might get promoted this season. Send him on loan. Um, I don't know if Broadhead plays for Sunderland. This is going to be another one where I have to quickly Google Sunderland and check. But um, again, the 31 game against Wickham, lineups, no. Not if, uh, he's on the bench at least, but you know it's kind of more understandable at a team like Sunderland. I think we need to be sending them to teams where they're guaranteed a lot of first-team football. And yeah, maybe if Stewart gets injured, um, who's their front man who scored a brace against Wickham, then maybe we'll see them him be the backup striker. But I think that's one problem we do. We keep them in the under-23s because we want to win Premier League too. Who cares? Let me put it t- simply. No one cares about Premier League 2 except the parents of people who watch their kids play. No one cares. So it's just no offence to the players, but I think people watch it to see the youth players who are going to get progressed into the first team, not a bunch of 23-year-olds who are past it for the first team. I think that's one problem Everton really need to look at. And, you know, Broadhead's even a name that kind of fits that. He's what We only started sending him on loan properly when he was like 21. You know what I mean? It's like and we just, you just look at it and you go, for example, I'm not saying we should become a Chelsea because Chelsea have only recently started showing a path to the first team, personally, in my opinion. But even you look at them and it's, you know, steady loans, steady progression, then they might be brought into the first team or sold. It's not a model that a lot of people like, but I think it's a model that need to take. We've got a lot of players coming in. We've got a very, you know, we've got an academy of high reputation. So I think we need to be bringing in... So, for example, the under-23s realistically should be a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds with the with the odd exception of a 21, 22-year-old who maybe can't get in the first team and we're waiting to loan them out. I think that's the system we need to take. And I just think the system we put Gibson and Broadhead are two players who might be stuck in the championship for their careers because of not because of their talent, but because of our negligence, in my opinion. I mean, Luke Garbett was always a sign for me of someone who shouldn't have been in the youth system nearly as much as he was. Um, and when we loaned him out to Oxford, it was too late. Yeah, he should have been gone a lot sooner. Um, well, I, there's just, just two more, well, three more left. Joe Virginia uh, and Niels and Kunku. 
Um, we'll do again together because for me, they're two young lads that I think we probably could have done with keeping. Um, I know Joe Virginia supposedly got a buy-on clause for sport in Lisbon. Niels and Kunku, as far as I'm aware, hasn't. But two lads that we sent out on loan to two good clubs, but you could argue maybe shouldn't have been allowed to go anywhere. Uh, Nkunku, yes. Virginia, I think going out on loan without the option to buy would have been a good thing. I don't know if he's going to start for sporting. But even if I think he's a good keeper, I think he's sure. Because I think a lot of our fans looked at him for his spell at Reading, where he was benched because he just... But it's another example of him getting loaned out late and due to just a complete lack of any sort of first-team football, struggling. Um, Nkunku, I wish he stayed. But I do think he's going to have a belter of a season in Belgium. I think he's going to, he might be arguably one of Belgium's best left-backs this uh, campaign. I think it'll really help us. I just hope he isn't so good that, you know, he starts to attract attention from other clubs and then we lose our backup left back because I do think that's what he is. And I do think he's a good... I do, honestly, from what I've seen from the raw potential, I think he'll. we've already got our left back built in to replace Dinya when he eventually leaves because I do think it's... I don't think we're going to keep on to Dinya for more than two seasons. I think one club will eventually come and offer big money for him. PSG have been sniffing around him for a few years now about taking him back. And I think they're just waiting to pull the trigger, to be honest with you. So I think we need to make sure Nkunku knows that there will be first-team football next season. And I think we shouldn't have loaned him out, but it is probably the best for his career. And if Fabian Del can, you know, show a bit of an attitude change, I don't think it's the end of the world. If Fabian Del puts some effort in, he's a good backup left-back, in my opinion. But that's the problem, is we're loaning someone, hoping that a veteran player will put some effort in. But... I think it's a good move for Nkunku for the future of his career at Everton because I think it'll give him the first-team experience he needs going into next season. Virginia, I don't know because I think he really could have been a good backup. And don't get me wrong, what's the buyout? Is it like five million? Yeah, I think it's something around that. Thing, five million for a backup keeper's not bad. But at the same time, if he has a belter of a season out of Portugal and then leaves for five million, we're going to look like idiots. So it's an iffy situation. I think we shouldn't have put a buyout just in case the risk of that he is, for example, let's say he's Portugal's best keeper in the league. And then we could have got double the money for him if we didn't put a buyout. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a difficult one to judge until later on in the season, I'd say. No problem. And the final one is Moise Keane, uh, which has an obligation to buy, uh, which means the money is available for us. We obviously didn't spend all of it or any of it on deadline day. Uh, but, you know, this this time in January to spend that money now. Talk, talk me through that. I, I, I'm very much aware that me and you are big fans of the fee that he's managed to get, bearing in mind, OK, he did well at PSG, but is, if you were going off his Everton career, the lad didn't really deserve... I would say if you were going off his Everton career, the lad probably didn't deserve the fee we got for him. So talk me through this, because I know you're a big fan of the fee we got. I am. Um, almost 40 million. I believe it's 38 million euros, which if you know, I do this again, you know, 38 million. It works to about 34, 35 if you euros to pa- you in pounds. There you go. It's the first thing that comes up. 33 million, basically. So we've, yes, we haven't made a lot of profit on him, but in the end, he's had no career at Everton. Let's put it nicely to the lad. No career and we've profited off him. I, 
think, you know, with the market we're in, maybe if we weren't in the COVID situation, PSG would have paid 45 million for him, 50 million for him, but we're not. So I think we made good money on him. Money we desperately needed. I think it, getting the fee we got was smart. I think a lot of people looked at the time, saw 25 million and went, oh, here we go. You know, brands doing bad business and then they didn't realise the loan fees involved, the add-ons involved. It's smart business for a player who doesn't want to be here. It's big money for someone who doesn't want to be here. Who um, will he'll play for Juventus more than likely? He'll be I can't. Um, well, no, will he play for Juventus even because Dybala? So I don't know for someone who might not even play for Juventus. So I think uh, Brands has done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, we're both big fans of the fees, but we're also big fans of Keane in general. I think we both wish it could have worked out a lot better, but. It's like I said on the stream the other day, it's going to be a blip in his career. And in the end, we've made money on him. Money that, could, for all we could see in January, could really help us. So I think we have to wait to see what the money's spent on before we can judge it. But for example, if we spend $30 million on crap, then we're, we're going to look back at this deal and go, it was awful because look what we replaced him with. I think in January, if we sign someone, that'll be the real test of was selling Moise Keane a good decision or not. Yeah, I agree, mate. I, like you said, we're both big fans. Wish wish it worked out. I never. Uh, and looking at the initial fee, I know there was add-ons, but the initial fee was like £25 million that we got him for. So, you know, we, we sort of nearly made up. If you had done the add-ons, we probably lost a couple of million. But in the grand scheme of things, we were just on about Yannick Balassi, we lost £30 million completely on. So, it's not the worst bit of business in the world. Um, now we'll go to the ins. This bit will be... Very, very brief. Um, so we'll start with, let's start with ooh, Andros Townsend on a free from Crystal Palace. Um, I, I don't mind Andros. I would have preferred if he was our backup right winger. Now he probably is going to be our right winger. Um, as a backup, I really like this though. Uh, what are your thoughts on Townsend? I love it, personally. A lot of, at first, I was a bit iffy. But, you know, I've even when I first started doing streams with you guys, I was saying, give it a chance before we start judging it. And I think, you know, he's. he looks like a good leader. We know he can, sw- even he's showing now, he can still swing one hell of a crossing. I think the corners are a bit iffy right now. But to be fair, I don't think he even expected to be starting. I don't know if he will necessarily still be the starter too. Um, depends if he will be continues his form or not. I could really see he will be picking up and becoming, nailing down the spot at least until January. Uh, I think it's a really good deal on a free. He's on quite low wages. Yeah, he's 30, but he's there to be a senior member of the squad. And it's as we were saying, you need senior members of the squad. We didn't, I don't think we had enough. And I think, you know, another two signings we made on freeze and deadline day that we'll talk about later. Fantastic because of the leadership they'll bring. I think Andres Townsend's going to have a big impact on Everton this season. Even if that's just in, you know, a changing room sense, I think it's a fantastic deal. And I think um, Crystal Palace are really going to miss his leadership because they're, I think their approach is just, it's the football manager approach. Is as soon as you hit older than 28, you need to leave unless your name's Wilfred Zaha. So I think it's um, quite interesting. I think Townsend's going to have a big impact for us. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen so far, I, I like it more and more. I had him down as a hard worker. He's always got a rocket in his pocket um, in terms of a goal. But yeah, I mean, I like it. I would have preferred him to be uh, I would have preferred us to get a, a you know a full time right winger for first team right winger, but there's you know here or there. Um, Could be January. We, well, yeah, there's always January. There's always January. 
Um, Asmir Begovic from Bournemouth on an undisclosed. Um, this is the only reason I said about the Jal Virginia loan. It feels a bit daft now, but obviously we've got Begovic to replace Olsen of last season. Um, who I'm not massively against. I don't think his contract's very long. I think it's probably a year. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Carl. Uh, so we're talking about Florida Cup goal scorer and penalty saving goalkeeper Asmir Begovic here. Um, I think it's really good. I think just listening to him speak, and I think uh, I think a lot of people don't remember how good Begovic was at Stoke. Begovic was one of the most underrated keepers in the Premier League at Stoke, an absolute beast. It was why he got the move to Chelsea. Unfortunately, he got sat on the bench, but I do believe at first they wanted him to be. It was either a replacement for Czech or to contend with Thibaut Courtois for a spot in that team. Unfortunately, it didn't work out like that, but I think he's a good person to have. Um, if, For example, if it doesn't work out with Virginia and he ends up coming back, he's someone to learn from. I think Pickford can learn a lot from Begovic. I think a lot of people may think, well, Pickford's England's number one, Pickford's this, Pickford's that. It doesn't matter who it is, you can still learn from them due to experience. He's going to play cup games, and I think he might play free games in the Premier League. But he's capable, he can do a job, and I think... Yeah, again, he's one of those senior heads to have in the changing room that'll really help with the atmosphere of the club. So I think, yeah, again, another good signing. Dirt cheap wages on and on free. You can't complain. Yeah, I mean, the only negative I've had of him so far is a kicking is a little bit off slightly, but I mean, that's nitpicking and compared to Jordan Pickford, his kicking was always going to be somewhat off to fans. Um, the next one is uh, up for player of the month. Um and seems so far, it's only a month in, so I don't want to get too carried away and give him the curse, but seems to be a very, very good, astute bit of business, and that is Damari Gray for 1.8 million from Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, you, you can't you can't hate this, surely. No. Um, he's the best English slash Jamaican winger to come from Bayer Leverkusen this summer. The best. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's quite funny, isn't it? Because if you look at it, it's kind of Leon Bailey light when we signed him. Oh, we can't get Bailey. Damari Gray will do. He's been fantastic. I don't. I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect that Damari Gray would be in my fantasy team after the second game of the season. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's quite ridiculous, really. One point eight million. It is. Let's face it. He's by miles the cheapest player up for player of the month. Yeah. Like, um, I'm trying to think who's up for player of the month. So there's uh, um, Eric Dyer. Uh... Eric Dyer. Actually, Harry Dyer's been pretty good, actually. Um, Mikel Antonio is another yeah. one. Um, I, I, I was going to try and make... But even, like, Mikel Antonio, uh, like, if Mikel Antonio went to West Ham for what, probably like eight or nine million, to say you can fit yeah. four Damari Grays into one Mikel Antonio deal or something like that, for example, I'm not saying he's as good as Antonio because Antonio's, in my opinion, he might be the most underrated player in the Premier League, but that's probably another topic for another day but yeah I think it's it's if he keeps this up even to half of the level he's playing now just half I think it's or it's still bargaining over the summer because you don't find many two million players that are going to contribute to I think he will contribute to around 12 to 15 goals this year I don't think even maybe not in just the Premier League but I do think he's going to have a big impact and it's, his work rate's good. You can tell he's worked on his finishing because, you know, a lot of people are like, calm down, it's only a month. But you know when someone's improved on their end product. You know, because all he did, I can use the Brighton goal, looked up at Robert Sanchez for a second, looked straight back down at the ball, placed it perfectly. Yeah, he might have a few 
awful errors, but it's just, it's like someone said, oh, well, he will be scored two in two for us and then went 50-something games without scoring. Don't think Damari Gray is going to do that. I think Damari Gray is going to constantly be involved in the game for us. And I think it is, um, if he keeps up, it's probably up there for one of the best signings we've made in the past five years, personally. Yeah, I, I really like him. I hope it continues. Um, I, he's, he's what we needed, which was a lot of pace down that side. Um, I think that's the bit that's won fans over is that we've got a winger who's actually fast. Um, but yeah, I really like Damari Gray and hope for the best. Hopefully he wins Player of the Month as well, because that'd be fantastic for him. Uh, the next one, I, I personally don't think we'll see him play. He's not played for any of his last two clubs and I don't think we will see him play. Uh, Andy Lonergan. Uh, on a free from West Brom. I think this is just in case Begovic and Pickford get get injured, which is very unlikely, uh, which is why I think he'll play no appearances. I think he's just there to sit in the reserves and he's like um, uh, Rob Green for Chelsea. It's like Scott Carson for City. You know, it's like Lee Grant for United. You know what I mean? It's like, and the thing is, I still see our fans complaining about it. The guy's not gonna play. No, I mean, I and think, I guarantee he's working less than ten grand a week. I guarantee he's making less than ten grand a week. He's probably, if I was him, I'd probably retire after this season. But I, I think he's only bought because our under twenty ones keeper Harry. Well, he was free as well. Is injured. Um, Didn't cost anything. No, no, he, he came on a free. I think he'll leave on a free. Um, ah, it's. I mean, it's, it's hard to be because I, I don't think he will play. Here's the, I don't think there's any compliments or any criticism for it. It's just there. It just happened. We it, It's clear for the reason he's being paid pennies in football terms to sit in, maybe give a bit of advice to Pickford because on his day, I think for Preston, I remember he used to be quite good. Yeah, and I've, you know, I think he's just there to, might be a good locker room presence. Locker room's very American, changing room. Um, you know, just there to maybe keep the morale up, to just sit there in his court and smile for the camera when it shows him every 20 games. Yeah. Uh, like you said, there's not much you can say on it because I, I don't think he's going to. Um, this one, though, the deadline day one, we waited a whole a whole day on the Toppy Blues. Uh, we did a stream as well from 8 to 11, so we waited an extra four hours on stream for this one. And somehow, although it was linked the day before, it still ended up going right to the last couple of hours before being announced. If not, I think it was in the last hour. Solomon Rondon on a free. Um, I spoke about this yesterday on the channel uh, for the video, for his reaction. Uh, I'm not against this. I think the tease of Edouard made me a little bit like disappointed, but that doesn't change my opinion on this. I think this is a very, I'm not going to say good, but it's a very logical transfer. Um, and I think he'll suit our style of play very well, especially if Calvert-Lewin gets injured. It's, like for like, only Calvert-Lewin's a lot more mobile. I'm not going to do Calvert-Lewin dirty and say he's not mobile or quicker he is. But they are very like-to-like in terms of their very physical and aerial presence. So let, let us have your thoughts on uh, Solomon Rondon, the Solomander as he's been dubbed. Um, I'm, You know what? I knew it was going to happen. And I was always for it. I was always for it. He's a good. Anyone who says he's not a good backup is ridiculously out of their mind. His goal-scoring record was every one in three. For a backup striker, you know, what do you expect? I think we live in a very thing where someone will Google Ronaldo's stats and then they use that as the benchmark. No, you know, in the end, it's um, it's a good deal. Once again, dirt, probably dirt cheap wages. 
I don't know if they're on the internet to be found yet, but um, probably dirt cheap wages knows how Rafa Benitez's system works. Will fit right in with us. We've got we can get him service. He'll battle for every ball. He said it himself. His main goal for Everton is to fight for the shirt, to fight for the colour. That is it, and that's all we want. I think that's all. I don't think our fans actually. I do. I think our fans ask for a lot, but I think when you're actually at the stadium, the fans don't ask for a lot. If you know we're watching him live and he starts throwing his body around to win the ball, he'll get a reaction. Um, he won't play, probably. I think he misses the first few games anywhere because he's with Venezuela right now. I think that's might why it might have been difficult to get it done to the last second. Uh, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be in the same light at Townsend. You know, there's going to be a bit of criticism at first he'll, when he'll get his first few games under his belt. I guarantee within his first three games, he scores for us. I'll happily put that. I'll die by that sword. I do think he will because I just think he's that sort of player. I think, you know, it's kind of like the Calvert-Lewin thing where if you get him, if Dinier whips in a good cross, he'll beat quite a lot of defenders to the ball because it just how relentless he is to fight for it. And yeah, he's 31, but in the end, he's here to be a backup possibly a third stringer, even behind Richarlison as a nine. So I don't think it brings anything negative in. I think, once again, it's smart, free business to fill, not to fill the changing room, to fill the changing room with a few older heads who can give advice, can be the moral compasses of the team. And I really do think, I think for we've done good business personally, and I think Rondon's another example of that. Today we'll be discussing Marcel Brands, the transfer window, uh, just getting some thoughts on him, how we think he's done, uh, how we think he has been performing as the director of football. And Cal, starting off, um, Marcel Brands, we'll start off with the dead obvious one. As a director of football, do you like him? Yeah, I think um, I think he's he's the scapegoat, isn't he? I think he is the scapegoat for everything that goes wrong at Everton now because he's the one who's consistently there. And a lot of people still don't... Or well, not still don't, because I wouldn't blame Mashiri either. Uh, don't want to blame Mashiri because nice, fancy new stadium, lots of money, you know what I mean? So Brands is the scapegoat. don't think he deserves it. I think he deserves criticism, and I said this the other day on the stream. For example, this window, he deserves criticism because there were cheap right-backs out there. Wait, we could have done something. But at the same time, I also think he does he does a lot of good for us. He, you know, keeps us relatively financially stable when it comes to after dealing with Steve Walsh. And I think, you know what? We we rave about Louis Campos. I don't even think he could have done a good job coming in after Walsh. You needed a miracle man. And I think um, the problem with brands is the club hasn't found their own identity yet. And a lot of people say, well, shouldn't that be the director of football's job? He still has to speak with the owners, We've still got, like, for example, Ken Wright, who still wants us to be <coughs> typical old Everton, wants us to be the same as we was in the 80s with no progression forwards whatsoever. Then you've got Mashiri. You know, I think there's, I think it's, you know, he's on the board, and I think that's the slight good thing about it, in being in the board, is that maybe now he'll start to have more influence and we'll be able to, you know, have Brands' way, which, you know, might be the future of the club. But um, I think he's. A controversial figure. I think he's got. I think he's got more positives than negatives. But I also think he need, really needs to iron those negatives out if we want to progress forward as a football team. Yeah, I mean, I 
everything you said. I agree. Um, I would love us to have an identity. I've said it to you and I've said it on this channel a million times. I'd love for us to identify how we'd like to play. Let the director of football go out and get players to suit that style. Get a manager who plays that style and then we'll never have to hear the words they're not his players because every player will suit that style. But that's a dream world that we seem to live in that we're very far away from at the minute. Um, speaking about brands, though, um, this window, it's been an interesting one. Like you said, we were always going to be struggling and I think we reap what we sow and it's really come back to bite us. You know, the, the, the phrase, all your chickens come back to roost, couldn't be more personified than this window for us. How do you think he has done this window, considering all the obstacles in his way? In the circumstances in his way, very, very, very good. I think not many could have done it better than him. Yes, we could have signed a right back. Yes, there was tunnel vision with Denzel Dumfries, but I also think he did a fantastic job with everything. I think he expected to be able to get in Dumfries because of his connections. And I think if the club would have hurried up with it and did it before the Euros, like his plan was, which he came out and said, this was my plan, then we'd have all watched him in the Euros, laughed at everyone else and gone, look at the bargain we've just got. But we didn't. I think that is... A... I don't know if that's a problem with Brands or Mashiri, the tunnel vision. I don't know. I personally do think it's Mashiri. And in the end, a lot of people say, well, can't... why doesn't Brands say something to him? You know, one thing I didn't mention it on stream the other night, but one thing that came to my head uh, was the manager situation. Every manager from Brands' list, Gaultier, Potter, um, who else were we linked to that was quite exciting? Um, Ralph Rangnick. Um, have we not noticed that all of these fit a certain philosopher? Every manager fits it. So I think Brands is trying to get it in there. And I think maybe, um, I feel like Mishiri's gone, no, let's hire Rafa for now, get to Bramley Moore, and then we can start making this identity. And listen, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think Rafa's a bad place to start an identity. Fast counter-attacking football, that can be our identity now. So all we know is going the future, Brands, these are the players you look for. These are the managers you look for, you know, something and stuff like that. And I do think... I think there's more identity than we think with the Rafa signing. Because I think maybe Brands has tilted his finger. Because Damari Gray, for example, I think is all Marcel Brands. I think Damari Gray is all Marcel Brands. And then, you know, for example, fast counter-attacking football, a team that likes to cross a lot. Andros Townsend, Solomon Rondon fit that perfectly. Good crosser in Andros Townsend, a fantastic crosser and a big body to target in Solomon Rondon. So I think um, I think now it's about, for example, if the big step for Brands next, say we sack Rafa, we need Brands to use his boardroom influence, foots down, listen, look at the squad he's built. We want a fast counter-attacking manager in or someone who can at least adapt to their game to play that to an extent. For example, Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter could easily play fast counter-attacking football if he wanted. I think he could. And I just think we need to be intelligent now. And I think, you know, we complain that we haven't done it in the past. But if we do it now, Brands's next big step is to, you know, really use his boardroom influence to get a philosophy into Goodison Park, into Bramley Moor. And I think that's the I think that's the big test that's upcoming. And if he does it, then he'll prove a lot of people wrong, in my opinion. No problem. Well, you've mentioned obviously um sort of the manager, director of football and Farhad Mishiri. Um, that is one criticism that has come ahead is that um, 
it's a criticism and it's also a sort of gives him the benefit of the doubt, I think, is that it's not solely down to him. Farhad Nashiri and a couple of others are sticking their heads in. Uh, too many chefs spoil a broth is the appropriate term, I think. And the manager experience, the managerial selection was a prime example of that. I know you had Ken Wright that would happily have seen David Moyes back in the job. You had Farhad Nishiri that wanted um, Rafa Benitez mainly in the job. And then you had brands who, like you said, wanting Gaultier. Um, apparently him and Majiri liked Martinez. Um, you know, we had Graham Potter selected uh, and a couple of others. Um, Ratlick Ragnick's a prime example. Um, so it sort of goes as a positive for Brands and the fact that he struggles because he's working with a, a football owner who won't let him do his job solely. But then the negative, because a lot of people think he should put his foot down and sort of say, I'm the director of football, you've hired me for this, please leave me to do my job. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously even that alone puts Brands in a slightly tough situation to go to your boss and go, you've hired me, leave me alone. I don't think he has to do that. I think he has to, to put it simply, Farhad Majiri is not a football man. He doesn't know anything about football, in my opinion, or not enough. I think he looks at, he said it, Rafa Benitez had the best CV for the job at the time, which he did. If you go off a pure CV, but it's like, and you look at it and you go, yeah, but this isn't an accounting job, Farhad. There's a lot more in um, to take in than just a CV. And I think, Brands, his problem is he maybe is a bit too quiet in the boardroom. No, none of us are saying put our foot down as in start screaming, backhand Bill Kenwright, tell him to shut yeah. up, and then say, Farhad, listen, this is my way. All he has to do is keep, in my opinion, throwing suggestions in, bringing, for example, a presentation, do a big presentation in front of the boardroom. This is my vision. Here's an example. Um, is it Matt? Marcus Edwards? No, that's a player. What's his name? Edwards from Liverpool. Sporting director. Michael Edwards. Yeah. Going, you might not like it, Ken Wright, because you're stubborn, but look over there. Look across Stanley Park, what Edwards is doing. Look at um, Man City having a full sporting team. Uh, uh, Spurs have just took the new approach, hiring... um, Very well with it, with their, their director. And look at that. They've used a guy with a massive influence in Italy to bring in really highly rated Italian players. Now, imagine if we actually did that with brands and when he went to the Netherlands to scout players, we actually let him scout and buy those players. He's a good negotiator. We know that. Well proven. And I think it's just the problem of he doesn't, like he's been, I think he's been told that this is our vision, but he's not being allowed or he's can for here Mashiri say this should be our vision. You go apply that vision instead of letting brands do it himself. But I do think we're going to start. Hopefully, we're going to have enough faith in brands. We're going to see him start to put a foot down and put his stamp on things, which might be fast counter-attacking football. And we might see more signings like this when Rafa leaves. We see a counter-attacking manager come in. I can't think of one from the top of my head. Um, counter-attacking. Fast counters, not a lot of possession. I think it is it. Uh, is it Gerard Sion? Uh, oh, um, he's he's meant to play quite direct football. Yeah, I don't even get us to be direct. I think it just has to be fast and 
we prepare to be play to play not on the ball. But even I think we're working to have the centre backs learn to play on the ball more. I think we could easily transition into a possession side if the groundworks are there in advance. But I think that's the problem is, like you said, there's just too many chefs in the kitchen who've all got different recipes. And I think um, it's like Ken Wright wants Moyes and then he doesn't want Benitez because of his Liverpool links. And it's like, to be honest, I Bill Ken Wright should just be told to shut up and sit there in his chair and happy he's still a part of the Everton board. You know, no offence to the guy, but sit there, be quiet. This isn't your role anymore. And he might go, well, I hired David Moyes. I don't care. You're not the majority shareholder anymore. You're still a shareholder, so you still get an opinion. But I don't think he should be going, making all these opinions public and making the situation a lot more difficult than it is. Because then that makes Brands' job more difficult. And um, I think the problem with Brands is I think he tried to get all these men in and just didn't, just couldn't. Gaultier wouldn't join. I'm guessing Potter wouldn't join. You know, Martinez. The reason <coughs> is we didn't push for Potter. We just he was just a name chucked about on the table when we discussed yeah. it. But um, I also think Potter would have said no because Brighton have been given a decent bit of money this finger. I think he would have said no. Martinez, we had to wait until after the Euros. And I think I'm guessing Brands thought, well, if we wait till after the Euros, there might not be enough time to do something. Or did we we hired Rafa in the Euros, didn't we? Or was it after? Just after, but uh, just I think after. We'd have, had, we'd have had to start negotiating after the Euros when he's yeah. back in Belgium or wherever he lives now. And I think it would have been more difficult. So I think that's the problem. I think the financial situation hasn't helped. For example, if this would have happened without FFP, I'd never think, I think Gaultier got the job, personally. You know, I think it was because I'm close to my family. He got offered a big purse by Nice to spend. He's in Nice, lovely part of France, and Lille are worse than us right now with finances. So I think we know why he left. But I think our financial situation didn't help us at all. And I think that's put brands in a more difficult situation. Yeah. You could say it's a, it's a, it's a nice, nice part of France. <laughs> <laughs> Until well, bottles start getting thrown. <laughs> uh, well, obviously this window is always going to be a little bit tough, but we've mentioned a couple of the players. A lot of them, I'm, a lot of them are being called Benitez signings. I think you can sort of see that in Rondon. He's definitely a Benitez man. Um, yeah, a couple of more. of uh, Rondon's the one that screams the most for me. Uh, Townsend's definitely a Benitez sign-in. Damari Gray is one I'm not con- I'm not too sure whose that is. Uh, I think but- it's Brands written all over it. I think it's similar to Godfrey. A young, decently young, English lots of potential to go for a lot more money if we sell them very talented it's got brands written all over it in my opinion uh, I think the one problem is everyone says um, they're Benitez signings but at the same time for, for example if someone who played Benitez's style of football which for us is fast counter-attacking low possession it very good at getting back into games as we've proven if let's say we we've got a manager called Steve Evans in charge. Steve Evans brings in um, Solomon Rondon, Andros Townsend. Uh, do we not then look at that and go, 
they're decent signings for this style of football? Or is it just we're looking at it because they've played under Rafa before and going, well, that's Rafa, that's no one else getting to side? Or has Rafa spoke to him, two brands gone, this is the style of football I want to play. We've got no real veterans in the squad. Well, we've got Fabian Delph. What does Fabian Delph do? Uh, we've got no real veterans in the squad. I want to play this style of football. They've got both of these uh, signings are going to cost us absolutely nothing. What do you think? Brands looks at it and goes, yeah, he's right. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, he's right. How much are we going to pay him? Rafa comes back and goes, barely anything. He goes, yeah, perfect. I think a lot of people think it's because of Ancelotti, and I think this was under Ancelotti, where they didn't work together enough. But Rafa said, I'm happy to work with him. Branza said, I'm happy to work with him. I think, you know, they are consulting on these players. And I think in the end, they fit the style we're playing. And we're only saying they're Rafa Benitez signings because they've worked with Rafa Benitez before. That's, that's a very, very fair point. Um, one thing I'm going to have to ask, and um, obviously this is a glaring one, and we were linked with um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, no right back. I know this window's tough, but you could argue this was a position that it's not just this year that people have been saying we need one. It's a position we could have done with last year, bulking up a little bit more. Um, when we got Sadibe on loan, that really should have been a highlight that we need a proper right back. Um, explain to me a bit about the, the lack of right back um, and go into me a bit about the Ainsley Maitland-Niles because to me it felt kind of like you said, tunnel visioned with Dumfries, tunnel visioned with Maitland-Niles and then when that didn't happen, sort of like, I don't know what we're doing now. Um, so just talk me through a couple of those. Yeah, well, I can already see the comments saying that I'm blindly supporting brands, but this might be a shocker for years, but no, he doesn't. I don't think he gets an excuse for this. He doesn't. He doesn't get one. We should have had a big list of right backs that we should have signed. Even listen, I've said it. Option five is still better than none of them. You know what I mean? It's. Um, I think that's the problem. Zeki Celik was available for nothing, and they were willing to do a loan with an option to buy. Um, even if we don't look at right backs, Renato Sanchez was available for one. I know this is just Lille players, but. There were players available. And listen, this might be controversial. I understand why Brands didn't buy Diaz, if we're not going to talk about right-backs. We shouldn't have paid £40 million for him. No. Everyone's saying, yeah. Uh, and if I take away his highlight tape, he's had one, de- one good year in Portugal and a good Copper America. You know what I mean? I understand. Listen, And they might go, well, I, just, I, I don't think there's even an example to compare him to that works. Maybe there's a few, but... I think a lot of people saw that Hamez was going to go the other way as well and thought, oh, well, this is good business because it frees up so many wages. I don't think 40 million was good business at all. We had a complete lack of money and I think spending it all on one player who was a big risk, someone who, you know, was reported to not like playing in cold weather. Would that really have been... That had 40 million written all over it. You know what I mean? We complain so much about Steve Walsh signing people for big money and then not thinking about the negatives, but then we complain when Brands doesn't do it. Uh, I think that's the problem. But right back, he's got no excuse for. I'm not going to defend him for right back. He doesn't deserve defending for right back. There should have been a right back in this summer, even on loan. He might get away with it now with Aurier. He might get away with it, but I still don't think that gives him an excuse because something's fell into Everton's lap. Um, He should have had a list of right backs 
And I think this is the tunnel vision problem with brands. And I think it's something brands needs to sit down, assess himself and go, I need to start having big lists of players. Like he had this huge list of managers. I don't understand why he can't do that with the players. And I understand one man can't do <coughs> a job by himself. It might be the scouting team thing that I mentioned yesterday, but then at the same time, he should be getting his scouting team in and he should be doing everything he can to get that in. Uh, so I think for the right back, I can't give you an excuse for brands, to be honest with you. Well, since we were on about brands, um, you know, I've just got this up because we mentioned it before. Uh, I do have here from EFC Stato from on Twitter. So if you like your stats and stuff, go follow them because this is really good. This is all of Everton's ins and outs from the Steve Walsh, Ronald Koeman era to the Marcel Brands, Marco Silva, Angelotti and Rafa Benitez era. Um, we won't go into Steve Walsh because I think fans already know very much about that. Um, but looking at Brands, a lot of his players are still at the club, um, which is quite good. Um, you know, since 2018, that's a positive sign. That's three years ago and we've still got a majority of them at the club, depending on the players. Um, so far on this, he spent zero on Bernard. Um, and obviously, the next one along is Moise Keane. He spent 25 million on. Um, and then, obviously, outgoings is Bernard. I only go through these because these are the ones that come in and gone out. Bernard for a fee of 850k. Uh, uh, so he's made a profit there. And Moise Keane, we worked out before, is, you know, it, it says 20. Profit. It says 20-odd million here, 25. But with add-ons and add-ons from the sale, we reckon we might have lost a million, possibly. Uh, no, from Moise Keane, we've made money. From Moise Keane, we'll make 7 million because it's Thank 32 million pounds. We, well, I guess he never really contributed. He didn't achieve any of the add-ons, I yeah. don't think. Well, in that case, he's he's even more in the money um, by near enough 8 million. Um they're positive signs, though, surely. And looking at the list, as I said, there's a lot at the club, and that's good, and it depends who's on the list. But looking at the list, the only person I think that fans... the only There's about two names that I think ring out that fans will sort of begrudge. One of them is, um, well, three, Alex Awobi, but I'm going to put that under a Mashiri. Uh, Andre Gomez and Fabian Delft. They're the only ones I think people will actively begrudge. Um, but we're yet to see what we'll get for them. Um, I think he was kind of hoping, I think everyone was kind of hoping Fabian Delphi might be able to get rid of and sort of make some of that money back. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Andre Gomez, I don't think we'll ever make that money back. But it's not an awful, it, from that window, three years on, he's had a, a, Paul said it the other day, he's had some bad windows. He's had a very good one last year's, was a very good window. This one, I think we'll always have an asterisk to fans that can remember that this was FFP year. So that will always, this was, I don't want to say got him out of prison, but. And I, I think it's still good though. Yeah, I still think it's good. Do you think next, it puts pressure on next summer though, being the window that he will be judged for more? Yeah, yeah. But I also think, like, let's, if I'm just going to go through these lists and you know you've got your, like, for example, uh, through what? So from the Steve Walsh era, there is only. One, two, three, four, five, six players still at the club. Those six players aren't going to make up 170 million pounds. Like those players, who is it? It's Calvert Lewin, let's say 70 to be nice. So that's 150. Um, Pickford, we might be able to get 54. So oh, 200. So we might still, you know, Michael Keane. 
I'd say we, I'd still, at minimum, we're going to be at least 40 million in the hole still. Mm. You know, and then let's look at brands. Oh, I do. I honestly, I've said this to you, we might come out green. Richarlison, I think, think we could get 100, 100 million. That's the price. So that's 65 million pounds profit. Dinier, 50 million, 30, 40 million pounds profit. Mina, he may have cost us almost 30 million, but I honestly do think in a few years we could make a profit on him. I think he's got that. Gomez, it's bad now, but in, everyone's a genius with hindsight, aren't they? When we paid the twenty-two million pounds for him, it was a good deal. Everyone loved it at the time. I think that's fair to say. Everyone was after his loan, which was a good loan. Everyone was in love. Fabian Delph for eight and a half million at the time was good. He was good at City. Versatile. Uh, this, this is the only one I can't agree. With. I thought it was a stinker when we got him. I, I nothing at City that impressed me. I don't know though. He offered versatility. Pep Guardiola trusted him. If Pep Guardiola trusts you, that's clear. So for eight and a half million, now once again, hindsight makes it look bad. But I don't think. I think at the time we looked at it and went, it could be a lot worse. Gabamin is not Brands' fault. It's not Brands'. And I honestly do think he could make us back that twenty-five million. I do. I think he's that talented of a player. I honestly do see Alan dropping the starting role in a year or two's time just because of age eventually and Kabamin taking it maybe. Uh, Moise Keane looks like we'll make a profit on. Alex Iwobi's his big stinker that he cannot get away with. That under Farhad. I, I think if we're going to be fair, for example, I think Farhad was Wayne Rooney. I think Farhad was um, Cenk Torsen, like we mentioned. Farhad could have easily been Theo Walcott. I, no, Farhad, I mean, again, I think was Genk Torsen because Allardyce didn't know who he was and Fad Mishiri said he watched in the knee against Monaco and really liked him. But I also so, think, I think if we're going to be fair, we're going to blame all the bad stuff on Steve Walsh. We've just got to put all the bad stuff on Brands. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't escape the fact that he's still, he's, he was still director of football. He still let yeah. Brands. So he, panicked at, so he panicked at Iwobi, even though I think we both don't think it was him. I think we both don't. I think he was forced to negotiate with Iwobi and then he just did his best to get Iwobi. And Arsenal wouldn't budge, so he went, and he might have went to Farhad. Right, we have to pay thirty million. Do you want him? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. He's doing his job. If he, even if he doesn't think it's a good idea, if he's been forced into it, what I think Bramthwaite for seven hundred fifty grand. We're going to look at that in five years' time and go genius. And Kunku, same thing. Alan for twenty million, worth every penny. Hamez for zero. He literally can't be worth. He can't be better. I don't listen. I don't care about his wages. We didn't pay anything for him, and when he plays, he does a job. Um, Decore, fantastic. Godfrey, fantastic. And then this, in the end, Josh I think there's a lot of money. I mean, I'm going to say it, Josh King. We needed a backup, six month contract. It's, no. it's. I think we paid like four million for him, but in the end. Two years ago, mate, before three years ago, we'd have given Josh King a three year contract. In the end, I blame Carlo Ancelotti for that. I think he'd still be at the club if it wasn't for Carlo. Ooh, I think thing. I think he would have been our backup. I don't think I'd have wanted him as a backup, but I, I for the for that period wasn't an awful backup. No, it's what I mean. He didn't get a chance and then Townsend, good deal. Begovic, good deal, Gray, good deal, Longer Longer whatever his name, Lonergan, I think. Yeah, Lonergan. Rondon, good deal. In the end, I so he spent two hundred and fifty-two million. I guarantee you, after player sales, that's what I've tried to work. Hundred one fifty, 
Um, I'm just going to look at the players that we realistically, you know, 150. Uh, Moise Keane makes that once. I think he's definitely over 252 million with sales. And I think, you know, that maybe having a director of football who can make money, we look at that and go, well, we want someone who can bring the right players in. I think the big problem is going from Silva to Ancelotti. I really think that was the problem point. And But at the same time, you know, where we should have identified a philosophy in the way Marco Silva played, which in the way, in the end, is in that it's nice, attractive football. But then at the same time, when you see Carlo Ancelotti available, can you say no to that for the reason of a philosopher? And Carlo Ancelotti saying, I'll come to Everton. I'll bring my free Champions League medals to Everton. I'll bring all these trophies. I think that's the problem. I think if Carlo Ancelotti was never on the board, we'd have got went and got a progressive manager. I really do. Carlo, again, Nigeri, he's been wanting him for years. I watched, I think it was Tifo, explain it. When he first came to Everton, he wanted Angelotti, but Angelotti was offered a better job. He's been on Ange- Angelotti's, been on Majiri's um, watch book for a while. Yeah, I think even if you're Marcel Brands, if you've got your philosophy oh, and then you're not going to comes available, you've just got to throw your hands up and go, "We can't say no to that." Yeah, you're not going. <laughs> Did we expect him to get the Real Madrid job? No, we didn't. No, and if, if does he deserve the Real Madrid job? No, he doesn't. But that's not the point. But I just think. I feel bad for Brands because, yes, he's not perfect, but I think he's also had a lot of, like, smack-in-the-face situations that he can't control. You know, unlike Steve Walsh, I don't think Steve Walsh had many of those, personally. You know, we had a big stretch under Ronald Corman. In the end, we had two interims and a full-time manager under Steve Walsh's. Steve Walsh doesn't have an excuse, in my opinion. No, he didn't have the, like, certain... Like, 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 he's unlucky. Marcel Brands has got his good traits, his bad traits, but he's also been very unlucky. Did he think there was going to be a pandemic? Did he think we were going to go from Marco Silva to Carlo Ancelotti, complete opposites? You know, did he think Carlo Ancelotti was going to leave a year later for Real Madrid when they might have had something figured out? No, that's the problem. And yes, Brands still has to take responsibility, but using Brands as a scapegoat is just giving—it's giving the how poorly you ran the club is an excuse, and pinning it on one man when it should be pinned on the club instead. Well, I think that's a great note to um, end, end the video on because I was going to ask you your thoughts on Brands, but I think it's you know that that summed it up perfectly. enjoyed listening to the toffee blues view podcast uh, i'd like to thank cal for coming on the channel and discussing everything we've discussed from serge aurier to marcel brands to the ins and outs of the transfer window which is now closed till january so the madness is over cal as you're a guest we do this uh, every time to see us out i'm going to ask you to pick a song uh, what would your song be uh, i'll go for it's a grand old team keep us positive spirits going for after the international break that's brilliant. Uh, the editor will make that play out. Uh, stay safe. Don't forget to follow the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We don't care what the red side say. What the
heck do we care? Cause we only know that there's gonna be a show when the Everton boys are there. It's a grand old team to play for. It's a grand old team to support. And if you know your history, it's enough to make your heart go Oh, we don't care what the red side say What the heck do we care? Cos we only know that there's gonna be a show When the Everton boys are there It's a grand old team to play for It's a grand old team to support you know your history, it's enough to make your heart go Oh, we don't care what the red side say What the heck do we care? Cos we only know that there's gonna be a show When the Everton 